You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Today, we're going to talk to two collaborators who have built and continue to expand on a state-of-the-art comprehensive device platform they have been working on together for actually a few years. So across the industry, we have seen significant investments in time, talent, and resources in the development of ecosystems or platforms designed to maximize the financial outcomes for investors, advisors, and firms by managing multiple accounts, products, models, and income streams. Today, you will hear from two leaders who are doing this very successfully, and uh, they'll give you some insight as to what they do and how they do it. This week, we're speaking with Deep Srirastav, who's the Senior Vice President and Head of Digital Investment Solutions at Franklin Templeton, and Martin Cowley, my colleague, who is the EVP and Head of Product Development at LifeYield. Deep and Martin have been working together for many years on one of the most advanced platforms in our industry, and that is what we're going to explore on today's podcast. So, Deep, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck, and Martin, thanks for returning to the show. Good to have you guys here. Thanks, please. Good to be here. So, Deep, let's start with you. Please start by describing your role at Franklin Templeton and how you uh, work with Advisor Engine. I know it's an important partner of yours in all this, and an important Franklin Templeton affiliate. So, tell us a little bit about Go Goals Optimization Engine. It's an award-winning planning and implementation tool that you've gained great renown, and it's about to get better. So, first though, why don't you just establish your role, how you work with Advisor Engine, and if you would a high-level view of what Go is about. Sure. Uh, thanks, Jack, for having us on the call. So I oversee our digital investment solutions. And what it effectively means is that we try to bring our investment capabilities to market in the form of digital products. And uh, that we believe that digital is the way to go in the future. And uh, this allows us to create those interlock set of capabilities that we believe our clients, advisors you know, would like to integrate into their ecosystem. And as a part of it, Advisor engine has become a critical part of that extension because whatever investment, think about some of these capabilities as our investment capabilities on a chip and you are trying to bring it to the market. And advisor engine plays a key role in completing that technology stack that helps uh, enable advisors to participate in it. You mentioned the goal optimization engine. So one of the key digital products that we are trying to bring to life is the goal optimization engine. And uh, what that does is that it creates a more personalized investment capability for our clients and investors. And the way it does it is that it leverages data, uh, understands clients' goals better, and then uses them, uses a, a fair amount of AI machine learning capabilities to identify and create more personalized investment solutions for the end client. And that is something we saw that was a difference, you know, when you talk about goals-based wealth management as something that's happening across the industry. But we oftentimes had seen that gap that while People were talking about goals, but the portfolios were not necessarily talking towards those goals. The portfolios were oftentimes when you go under the hood, you see that the underlying investment portfolios were more static, more standard. And we saw that as an opportunity where leveraging some of these capabilities, we are able to create something, portfolios that work in lockstep with clients' needs. They evolve as the clients' needs evolve and goals evolve and as well as, as when the markets evolve and they try to work along with it. So that's what our goals optimization engine is as a digital product. Terrific. So Martin, if you would, uh, you work with lots of different types of firms. This is a bit unusual. Maybe you could comment on this. Unusual to be working with an asset management firm. 
Of course, they're affiliated with Advisor Engine, which is a, pardon the expression, but a B2B robo for lack of a better description. But when you talk about the role that you play with Lifefield, because you're helping to build this, we'll get into more, more in depth on the whole goal process in a little bit, but maybe at a high level, how you work with Deep and the team at Franklin Templeton, how you work with Advisor Engine, maybe compare Go to some of the other tools that people are familiar with in the marketplace, just so they have a sense of what we're talking about here. Sure. So my role as head of product I'm having to figure out what does our product roadmap look like in the future? What feature candidates should we consider and which order do we tackle them in? So that comes from so many different places. It comes from keeping an eye on what's going on in the industry, what some of our competitors would be doing, and especially what our clients are doing. And the challenge is always trying to figure out how do I build a product roadmap that we can take forward as a single track and is usable in lots of different situations by lots of clients, integrations with a lot of different systems that are all, you know, all have their unique aspects. So it means you're kind of in the center of things between the client experience, client systems integrations, what we want to do with Lifefield as we grow our product. And then how do we help firms like Franklin Templeton expand to use some of the features that we already have or that we're going to add in the future? So I guess going back to how we've worked together with Franklin so far, there's two aspects that we have to focus on. We like to get really deep into the weeds. And, you know, I'm in deep in the weeds with, with deep all the time. Inner workings of Go, kind of fascinating. They're distinct from what you might see in uh, other planning systems. It's very interesting that Go is an engine. It's not a monolithic planning system where people have to do the swivel chair thing across lots of different systems in order to be able to use it. It's designed to be able to plug in to other experiences such as Advisor Engine. I'd say that's a very similar tactic that we've taken as, as a firm at Lifefield. We're API first. We do have some user interfaces, but we focus on integrations. And by far the easiest way to get somebody to use something is to have them not realize that they're using it because it's plugged in behind the scenes. And I think that's very much true of Lifefield, and it's true of uh, Go when it's surfaced through a tool like Advisor Engine. I'm not nearly as, I'm not in the same universe as these two in terms of the technical acumen, but if I'm going to give it a shot for the layperson to understand what you guys are working on, basically Go is a, a, a very sophisticated planning tool. It's an engine, so it is also built to implement. What a lot of people don't realize about planning is uh a plan is, that isn't implemented in a scientific way, shall we say, is just a plan. And so really what, uh, between Martin and Deep, what they're doing is Go is a, it's an award-winning plan. I mean, why, okay, it was a couple of years ago or a year or so ago, you guys won like the, the best new digital innovation, I think is what you want, something like that. But basically what you've done is you've taken a planning tool, made it more sophisticated, applied implementation capabilities, and we'll get into it now in a moment, Deep, if you'd comment. And what we're doing together with, between Lifefield and, and Franklin Templeton and Advisor Engine is you're really taking it further in terms of adding capabilities around taxes, around income streams. So why don't you fill in the blanks there? You're taking a very evolved, sophisticated planning tool with a lot more than just that. And now you're going to be taking it further and looking at coming out with a new and improved version uh, fairly soon. So why, why don't you fill us in on all that deep? 
Yeah, Anujak, I think uh, we'd have to talk further. Since you mentioned the award, you know, that was, yeah, we did get a couple of awards. And I think that there is an interesting story when our first paper, we've gotten off six papers published in different academic journals. And when our first paper was published, I remember that an email coming to me that, hey, we have won this Harry Markowitz award. So, you know, I just dug into it and say, okay, what does this mean? And then you realize that the jury is all the four Nobel laureates of finance. And I literally fell off my chair. Hey, that's pretty amazing. You know, we are on to something here. And then, but you know, a lot of these academic work need to be really converted into a proper digital product. So we were very glad when we got the MMI Industry Disruptor Award as well for a finished product. But at the heart of it was this whole quest towards personalization, right? You know, so end of the day, are we doing something? Are we as an industry pushing standard products or are we creating something which is really personalized for those end clients? And that's what we were on to as, as a journey with Go. And then over time, you realize that to do that, you should be able to model it in a more stochastic way, you know, which is all the sophistication in the back end. But you be able to do it about what happens when market scenarios change, when goals change, people's lives change. So you're modeling it out for all of those different years and saying, how would my portfolio perform through all of these different times? So that was at the heart of this personalization story and what helped to bring the product together. I think what was also fun and interesting was we when we met with the Life Heal team, I think right before the pandemic hit, and we said that, hey, you know, there is the same spirit of personalization that seems to be, you know, there on the other side as well. And I think the two teams philosophically just really connected with each other, right? And you could see that we have the same thought process. And we said, yep, we can really create a product, a unified capability that cuts across investments and cuts across taxes you know, social security and so on, and, and really bring something which touches all these elements of financial life in the right way. So so that brought this other side of the journey together, uh, which Martin and, you know, our teams have been on. And Martin, if you maybe go a little bit deeper on the goals optimization engine or Go, as it's called, how that gets implemented, you're you're working with a, a variety of firms, many wealth management firms, we work with a lot of insurance companies. We work with a whole host of, uh, partner with other fintechs whole host of firms. How is Go different? What's kind of where I want to get to is one of the things, a word I've been using of late, two or two different variations on the same thing. One is that the capabilities that Deep and his team are pulling together and playing out currently or about to play out at uh, Advisor Engine is around coordination of lots of different elements and sort of weaving through all the different capabilities of planning and proposal and implementation and next best thing to do as you're implementing on the path toward asset location and tax optimal income and on and on. So very much a woven process and a work in progress, both, but maybe at least a current state where you were evolving toward and maybe compare that to some of the other firms, not by name, certainly, but just sort of where the industry is going, because there's a lot of this happening, this whole notion of weaving through the capabilities to to back to what Deep was saying earlier about that highly personalized kind of uh, guidance on how to improve outcomes. Yeah. Well, so I think if I look at the way we've integrated in other situations, we pretty much span everything from planning, the initial proposal generation, even kind of hanging off the back of risk tolerance questionnaires where there's no formal planning process. We've had uh, that at one end of the spectrum, we integrate in that way, where we're very much at the beginning of the conversation. And then at the other extreme, we're working with multi-account portfolios that may have managed accounts. They may have UMAs, SMAs. They could contain brokerage accounts, all kinds of different products in those portfolios. And in that use case, we're actually driving the execution. We're running 
smart withdrawals. We're figuring out how to adjust asset location. So we have a big span of use cases, some of which are higher level, some of which are really, really detailed. Now, when we hook in the planning, I'd say the kind of common thing that we see on the planning side is plans are often not tremendously dynamic in that the risk tolerance questionnaire or that exercise might be used to arrive at a target asset allocation and level of risk. And that level of risk may be assumed to hold true for a long period of time. Perhaps a client considers themselves to be more tolerant of risk in accumulation, and then they may see a wholesale switch to a less aggressive asset allocation once they enter retirement. So often you're just seeing those two changes in the level of risk. The thing that's unique about Go is the fact that it's much more, it's like flying a plane on the instrument landing system. It's making adjustments all the way through. That glide path is pretty unique when we compare it to other situations that we've integrated, other systems with which we've integrated. So I think that's something that's been interesting. We're actually already set up to be able to work in that way. We just haven't seen that as commonly as we have with the more rigid asset allocations that uh, we'll see in other planning scenarios. So that's something that's really good with integration between Lifefield and Go, the fact that we're, we designed it to be dynamic. And Go is really using us in a, in a much more dynamic way than we've seen in other situations. So Deep, I'm going to assume that you've won all these awards for a lot of what Martin's describing in terms of it's a more advanced version of it's not just a plan that's static, one and done, and maybe you return to it or maybe you don't, more likely you don't. But you have a dynamic quality what, to what you're doing where you're, you're making adjustments to use Martin's analogy. You're landing the plane, plane using sophisticated algorithms and in, instruments. Talk about that a little bit further. Where are you now? Where does that go? And also, how does that apply to, say, Advisor Engine, which is, I think, where you're starting, at least initially. But the play, And then, if you would, talk about where you hope to go from there. So maybe talk about how this all comes together. You know, as Martin described, you know, the core thought process was something which really connects with clients in different life stages and really changes and adapts to what's going on, right, you know, in a dynamic fashion. Now, where do we go from here? And the initial build was to get it to market, really complete the value chain and get it to market, which we have done and we continue to expand on that. But then where do you go from here? I think what's interesting is that when you change the uh, nature of the portfolio advice, then it has implications on the whole value chain of advice, you know, because you till now traditional systems have always thought of the investments as a static entity within this whole value chain and kind of done all the planning elements around it. What this does is it starts to reverse things. You understand that for real good investment outcomes to align with those goals, the portfolios and the portfolio risk becomes more dynamic, right? But when that happens, it has repercussions across the board, right? So on one side, our investment solutions team is really working on making these portfolios more sophisticated and bringing in some of those multi-period optimization constructs in a deeper way. You can bring in better AI capabilities. So we are already working on that, on how do you take it from the current stage to the next stage in terms of much significantly enhanced user experience and computational capabilities that it will bring in. But then the third and the exciting part of it is that what it means is that based on that, how people do the profiling of their goals, how do people understand and assess their goals and plan for them, the whole shift from a risk tolerance questionnaire to thinking more about a goals-based questions and you know how do you extract that information? How do you nudge clients towards that? How do they bake in the social security and the tax thinking right up front as they are doing all of it through all of these life stages. How the portfolio risk analytics changes 
you know, when you think about a static portfolio, then the way you think about risk is very different when the portfolio itself is shifting, right? So this entire value chain of what we call as financial planning, right up to investment advice and tax locations and stuff, there's a whole chain. And we believe all the elements of this would start to change. And many of these places we see, you know, life field as a critical partner as we do that as well. So Martin, if you'd expand on that, because what's often not understood with all this talk about comprehensive advice platforms, comprehensive wealth management platforms, and your favorite word, ecosystems that are being built around improving outcome for investors and advisors. We talked about this a moment ago. I want to go a little deeper on this. And that is that you've got to weave it through with risk and tax or kind of bookends or flip side of the same coin is any risk adjustment you make is going to have a tax consequence. You got to be smart about that adjustment as Deepwell knows. And so what's often forgotten is if I'm going to do that, and also risk tolerance changes, markets change, you know, we've just lived through as much change as you might imagine in a lifetime. We've just done that in the past three years. But the point being is that you need to have a dynamic engine to help make decisions or at least take preferences and what have you and translate, not in a simple static asset allocation, all good, that's a good thing to do, but then be able to manage that through various cycles and various situations, looking at risk, looking at tax down the road, including social security, because that becomes an important ingredient in the overall retirement income, something we call retirement income sourcing at Lifefield. So maybe if you'd explain that dynamic, there's a lot there. A lot of people are hearing those words, but they're not fully appreciating, I think, just yet, just what we're, what's at play here. This stuff, as you well know, and deep well knows, this is complicated stuff. This is important stuff, too, in terms of improving outcome. But maybe expand on what Deep was talking about a moment ago about this dynamic nature. I'll talk about a couple of different things. So on the one hand, one of the challenges that we have as we integrate more closely with Go and with Advisor Engine is we have a pretty big menu of functionality that is used in a lot of different ways. And as I mentioned, sometimes it's used in quite a dynamic way where our APIs are being called repeatedly and people are always monitoring progress and tax efficiency, that kind of thing. Other times, it's much more of a fragmented conversation where it may just be part of an annual review and there aren't as many changes and adjustments being made. So the good thing about the way that we're set up and really, I guess, any any API is set up this way and that it's very dynamic. It's designed to be dynamic. So the challenge, I think, that we have, and we've been spending quite a lot of time together working on this, is out of the menu of functions that we have, which are the best ones to integrate into Go in the first kind of version of our integration? And then where do we go from there? Which things do we add next? So some of those just form a pretty natural product roadmap between Go, Advisor Engine, and Lifefield. It's a prioritization of functionality that we have that in Go's case is going to be called in a more frequent, more dynamic way than is the case with uh, a lot of our other clients. But that doesn't really change the nature of the functionality itself. So it's kind of there waiting to be integrated or they're ready to be used in a, in a very dynamic way. So that's one aspect. Just in terms of plugging the two systems together, we're both well-designed in order to be able to do that. The other thing I would say, and this is more to do with the way Go works in terms of its glide path on making allocation adjustments over time. We talk about lots of different aspects of tax efficiency at Lifefield. Being able to manage a bunch of accounts together gives you a lot of options, a lot of flexibility on the tax front. But two common ones are tax harvesting, tax loss harvesting, or gain minimization. 
an asset location. And I think the way the way I always look at it is tax loss harvesting is it's somewhat of a backwards looking function in that you you have a set of assets that already exist and they're they're at a gain or a loss. Some of them were bought recently, others weren't. So there are functions that we provide where you can realize losses. You can harvest those losses, build up a loss carry forward, use a pre-existing loss carry forward to offset gains. But ultimately, those things have already happened. The gains or losses have already happened up to the current day. The other aspect of tax efficiency is asset location. And I think that has a lot of room for play within Go because um, when you think about the dynamic nature of the Go asset allocation, asset location is all about mitigating future taxes and trying to put the most tax-efficient assets in the accounts where you'll get the most benefit and reduce tax drag. One of the things that we also do with asset location is we mitigate the need for tax loss harvesting. You don't have to rely on that tax loss harvesting quite so much because we're not putting things in places where they're going to incur as many gains or losses that are taxable events. So that works really nicely with the glide path that Go has. Because with those more frequent adjustments on the risk side and the asset allocation, you might expect to have a really big tax event or a substantial tax event when those changes are made. But with some of the features that we're adding into the mix, it really helps minimize those tax repercussions. So and a reminder for our audience, we're studying how to get the best outcomes out of the platforms that are under construction seemingly across across the industry, not seemingly, but across the industry, is that taxes are the single biggest expense investors incur, more than all the rest combined from some of the research we've seen. Bottom line is it's a big, big thing to consider. And really what I'm what I'm hearing here and coming to understand, because this is a more sophisticated version of some of the other work we've done, that the Go planning tool is much more than a planning tool. And then the tax optimization that Lifefield provides is much more evolved here than in some other instances. And so real advance for the industry. So for those that are paying close attention, if you want to build a platform, you got to consider taxes. Since fundamentally, if you want to improve outcome, you got to manage multiple accounts and all the ways that they're managed. There's a whole nother factor around models, which we'll get to another day. But the point is, this is complicated, sophisticated stuff, but it's all about improving outcome and quantifying the benefit, all of which will be available in Go. So Deep, talk a little bit about as we look to move toward a conclusion of our conversation today, where does this go from here? Where do you see this going? I know this is a beginning of a journey, not not the end. So tell us a little bit more about what you see coming up down the road. Yeah, Jack, I think, um, and since you touched on the multiple accounts, I would want to start from there that, you know, like multiple accounts, you know, oftentimes as investment managers, we worried about the trap where we come up with a solution, which is not practical, right? You know, you can come up with a very good portfolio advice without realizing that, you know what, it's clients have got all these multiple accounts and you don't know how exactly to execute that advice in the right way with the right tax implications and such. So some of these get fairly complex and oftentimes what we try to avoid rather is to take a very simplistic view and say, yeah, we will solve it for just this part and not the other. So so that's where creating the right ecosystem with some of these life field capabilities being a critical part of it is a critical first step in that. Otherwise, that we may not be able to really get to a from a theoretical to a very practical standpoint. And that's one thing that uh, is really getting us excited with as a start point. From there, where we go in the future, there is a lot. If you think about when we combine these investment and tax 
thought processes, just imagine the amount of user engagement changes and the kind of prompts and thought processes that you can really enable for users to be thinking about, you know, investors to be thinking about. So a lot of that happens. Again, advisors tend to do it with whatever limited, you know, capabilities they have at hand today. But with this massive computing capabilities, you can really etch out the scenarios and arm the advisors and financial advisors for a really good conversation. What people's potential goals could be, how could we be thinking about them, where could they add a little bit more money, where should they be taking it off, take some of the chips off the table, it becomes a much more engaging conversation. So how do we leverage AI and data to drive that next level of engagement conversation, I think is a very important piece. And then, of course, rounding it out with things like annuities, you know, other elements of taxes. And, you know, bringing in more kind of products into the mix so that it's a holistic advice considering all kind of products, financial products that an investor may use in the lifetime. There's a lot that we will be kind of working on over the next coming years. So Deepak, thanks for that. Martin, one of the things I'd like to, if you would, uh, as we do it, as we look to wind down the show, what are three key takeaways that we ought to be aware of in terms of the go capabilities, the life field capabilities, the sophisticated and advanced version that we're hearing about. So tell us about the three key takeaways that our audience might enjoy hearing. I'd say the first one is the importance of personalization. Deep talked about that early on, and we've been hearing that term come up so much in recent years. So there's a few things more personal than your financial plan and your tax situation. So marrying those two is, is important, and that's exactly what we've been spending a lot of time working on. So that personalization is the first one. The second is that tax strategies are easy to overlook, but they make a, a big difference, whether it's tax loss harvesting, asset location, withdrawal sequencing, some things that aren't always part of a plan or very high level in a plan can really um, kick that plan into the next level of sophistication. And then lastly, talking about the eventual execution of the plan there's a lot of value that we see in bridging the gap between planning and execution. Mm-hmm. And that's where having some of those underlying algorithms that drive the execution side of things, whether it's for withdrawals or rebalancing or whatever it might be, there's a lot of value in consistency all the way through from planning until eventual execution. So a lot of the work that we've done as Lifefield in conjunction with Go and Advisor Engine has been focused on uh, bringing that consistency to the process. That's great. It's always fun to hear about the next iteration, the next best version of what's going on. But one of the things to underscore for our audience is that we're seeing this with across the industry. Planning is great and fundamental to what we're describing. Arguably, our, our friends at Franklin Templeton and Advisor Engine say they've gone further than other planning tools. I'll let them argue that for themselves, but that's the argument and has validity. And the other thing that we're seeing in the marketplace is that if you have a plan without implementation, all you have is a plan. So you've got to tie that to the implementation and taxes are the single biggest cost you have to consider. So exciting stuff that you guys are working on presently. This will be out uh, early next year is what I'm hearing in terms of the capability and much more to come following that. And I know you have many versions down the road that are uh, in the works as well. So thank you both for this. And at this point, I'm going to ask you both if you would be kind enough to share my or respond to my favorite question, which is after enjoying this wonderful conversation, I always like to hear what do you do outside of work that you're particularly excited or passionate about that people might find interesting or surprising? So Deep, you want to kick it off? 
Sure, Jack. I don't know how much they may find it more surprising than interesting. I guess, you know, I read a lot, but what's weird about the reading is I used to read a lot of fiction and stuff till I started realizing that there's a lot of facts and things that are can be very more interesting. So I started like researching things like here is this something called quantum biology, you know, life on the edge. Quantum biology, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to get to physics, that. Quantum physics, quantum biology, you know, genetics. <laughs> there's a whole world of very interesting stories that are out there, which uh, when you get into these fields, you start knowing, including the people we need. So a lot of that kind of reading is what I do. Outside of that, I was also known as a big prankster between my friends and colleagues. But I started to dial that part of my life down a little bit. Yeah, don't stop that, please, please. Martin, how about you? Martin, by the way, has been on the show a few times for our regular listeners. Martin has more interesting things. He's like the most interesting man in the world. But Martin, tell us, what's the latest version of whatever you're doing that the rest of us can't keep up with? Yeah, I have kind of exhausted my my list of hobbies, pretty much. I was thinking about um, trying to set up a prank with Deep on you, but we didn't actually get time to do that. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time. The only other thing that I thought of is Largely because a colleague asked me about this game that I used to play back in England as a kid and still do whenever I go back there. But there's a form of billiards called snooker. Yeah. Often often over here, it's pronounced snooker, yes. which is incorrect. Okay. Yeah. Glad to know, glad um, to know that. <laughs> it's, it's definitely... I was about to correct you. Yep. It's snooker. <laughs> and it's played on an enormous table. 12 feet by 6 feet is the regulation size snooker table. You don't get very many of them over here because they're so big and nobody knows how to play the game. That's something that I spent. I wasted a lot of time as do a lot of uh, British people <laughs> growing up playing snooker. Deep's probably familiar with it. I know there's been some really good Indian snooker players in the past, a lot of Australian snooker players. It's something that kids grow up watching snooker world championships on TV. And uh, I was one of those. When they're not, when they're not watching cricket and uh, all those other games <laughs> we don't understand. That's right. That's right. Well, I didn't want to bring up the cricket because um, yeah, England not, not just won a um, up, couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah. So that you, you put your foot in it, Jack. But do, do they play uh, cricket in India? I forgot. Uh, oh, you know. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, Deep. Okay. Okay, you guys have lost <laughs> <Just>, it in. <laughs> by the way, just to fill out uh, Martin's dance card, Mar Martin is a marathon runner, classical singer, classical guitar player, black belt in karate. And I'm probably missing five other things that he's done. So we're down to snooker or snooker or whatever you call it. <laughs> snooker. <laughs> well, Deep and Martin, thanks so much. It's been a great conversation. Really appreciate the work that you're doing. Also sharing that work with us. So for our audience, if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you both and look forward to our next conversation. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by Life Yield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com. <laughs>